0: going to move that away so I can see everybody over here. Um, so John 13, 12 through 20. Um, it is a joy to be able to see you. And I and I say that uniquely today because I haven't seen you in, in preaching and being before you for many, many weeks. So um, while well there's a there is a special element element to being at home and being able to sit with my family and to watch the service and and that's good and encouraging um, but there's a there's a unique joy about being able to gather together and worship so um, I- it is a particular joy this morning so let's see if I can adjust there maybe where I can see everybody I think I'm still good okay All right, John chapter 13, verses 12 through 20. So when he, speaking of Jesus, so when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table, again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then the Lord and the teacher washed your your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen. But it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread and lifts up his heel against me. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. From now on, I'm telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to this point in our service, where we open up your word, Father? May it open up our hearts. May you lay our souls bare before ourselves and before you. May we come humbly before You, bringing nothing, to buy bread without money. So Father, would You fill us up? Would You fill us up with Your Spirit? Would You fill us up with a type of self-giving, humble love that only You can give us? That only You can give us through the Gospel that washes over us daily cleanses us not for our glory but for yours that we might go out into a darkened and broken world and simply just be conduits of your mercy and grace to others around us so would you speak to us in this time it's in jesus name that i pray amen well we uh we did something this weekend that uh think is probably a once in a lifetime opportunity I'm certainly sure that it will be for for us but we surprised our our kids with puppies we're we're now dog owners again and yes I did use the plural there uh, for for many owning one dog is a is a hurdle and for owning two yes I see the I see the the faces yes that's insanity Um, and so but we we talked about it Leslie and I and we decided you know it was time for us to be back in the dog the dog area again as we've you know, had lost our last, uh, our last dog back months ago. So we surprised the, the girls with puppies. And uh, I think Jake actually has a, a picture of them. They wanted to bring the dogs this morning. And I said no. And I compromised. And I said, I'll bring a picture. So, Jake, if you got that, we'll throw that up there. Yes, they're sweet little twin sister uh, a- Australian shepherds. And they're eight weeks old. So, but, uh, you know, as we as w- as we brought the puppies home on Saturday, and um, thanks, Jake, I don't want to distract folks too much, <laughs> but as we brought them home on Saturday, you know, I was like, well we hadn't had puppies, and we hadn't had puppies in, in, gosh, a decade, I guess, and so just bringing them home, and just reminding of the challenge of, you know, puppies, and, you know, a dog is a lot of responsibility, puppies a lot of responsibility, and they, you know, they make messes, they, they, you know, you have to clean up after them, and when you have two puppies, you have twice the amount of messes, and so there's a lot of cleaning up that's going on, and I mean, these puppies have been great so far, I mean, we're still less than 24 hours, you know, but yeah, it's still, we're still doing good, but um, you know, there's a lot to clean up after them, and as as I'm kind of preparing for the sermon, and we're, you know, cleaning up the floor and stuff like that, trying to grab the puppy and take it outside, and then what do we do with the other one? The other one needs to go out too. I'm thinking, man, this is great. I mean, here we are in a section of of John where Jesus is washing people's feet and I'm on the floor, you know, scrubbing and then Leslie's on the floor scrubbing and the kids are scrubbing too. And we're like, man, what what more humble task is there than to clean up after, you know, a a, a puppy. And the Lord just certainly has a a, a sense of humor because this morning, you know, uh, we'd taken one of the dogs outside to, to go to the bathroom and Ellie's outside, you know, with me and, uh, you know, the puppy's running runnin around, and we're trying to watch it go to the bathroom, and the kids love to walk around barefooted, you know, outside, and I'm, yeah, that's, that's great, and wait, don't spoil it. Quit, don't spoil it. C- come on, come on, this is my story. <laughs> so the kids, you know, she's outside, and she's walking around and barefooted, and I mean, that's what we do in South Carolina, right? I mean, we walk barefooted. That's what we do, and so she's walking around barefooted, and all of a sudden, she goes, Daddy, I think I stepped in something, and I'm going, uh-oh. See, it was squishy, and I was like, I walked over there, I was like yep all right let 's go wash your feet and so i 'm sitting here and scrubbing my daughter 's feet and i 'm going oh, this is this is great, I mean this is what the Lord does is He humbles us you know through through something uh, that we 're just like, oh, this is really just nasty and gross, mm-hmm. I know um, but anyways, you know that 's where we are this morning is uh, Alan preached last week on the 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 act and the action of of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples and that conversation that he has with Peter, and so now we come to a point where Jesus turns around, and he, he girds himself, he puts his clothes back on, he sits back at the table, and he says, all right, now what did I just do to you? you know, he he asks them a question, a reflection uh, uh, on, on his actions, on what he had just done. Um, and so that's where we are this morning, where Jesus begins to provide a context and to give instruction um, for us. A- and it's, it's a point at which we start to see and Jesus really makes an emphasis on what the disciples' heart should be. And so here's what I want to do this morning. I'm going to be, this is going to be very simple format. Uh, It's going to be, should be brief uh, as well. A lot of times when we're in the scriptures and we're preaching, we're scuba diving. We're down very deep, you know, looking at nuts and bolts and we're pulling from all over the place, uh, you know, and we're here for four hours. Um, I'm kidding. Um, So, and then other times, you know, we're kind of more just, you know, we're swimming across it, you know, we're digging and we're seeing more things, you know, but we're not digging really, really deep. Sometimes we're water skiing across the top. You know, this morning we're going to be stone skipping, okay? So I'm not going to cover every little piece that's in here, all right? But I have three, three stone skipping points, okay? We're going to look at the example that Jesus gives, okay? We're going to look at the warning that, uh, that he supplies, and then we're going to look at the assurance that he instills, okay? So three very simple points. The example, what's the example that Jesus gives? Because he asked the question. He asked that question. He says, he says, now what did I just do to you? And then he says, follow my example, Okay, so we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to talk about what's the warning that he gives, because he gives a warning. Now I'm not going to dive into the, d- the details of that, because that's going to be next week. Alan's going to uh, preach on that, but he does give a warning, and I think it's important that we, that we address that, um, and it's helpful for us. And then I'm going to uh, talk about the insurance, okay, and then, so those are the, the, the three main points. The broader scope of it is I hope that we can draw a clear connection between the example that Jesus gave and what the world needs, Okay, and this is very timely for us. And again, just very, very simple. You know, I'm hoping that maybe something that I say will just really kind of resonate with you um, and, and, and just stir you on for following Christ's example this next week. Okay, so that's where we are this morning. Um, so let me just kind of give a brief conte- context again. Jesus, they're in the upper room, okay, and the disciples, they've come to, uh, to partake of the, um, the Passover meal. And the disciples are all sitting there. We get the sense from from luke's gospel if we if we kind of pull these accounts together that perhaps the the disciples were around this point having an argument about who was greater and this was kind of a common thing between them, especially as jesus' ministry moves you know towards its fulfillment. There was this argument, and Jesus quietly you know disrobes himself, he wraps a towel around his waist, and then he turns and he washes the feet of the disciples you know basically the most menial task that could be done but a necessary one um and so he so he performs this this act and it just kind of shell shocks the the disciples they're just like what in the world's going on you know why are you doing this um so he washes his feet and then in verse 12 it says that jesus after he's done this he takes up his garments he puts his garments back on back on and he reclines at the table after having washed their feet. Now, don't miss this, okay, because this highlights the importance and the glory of Christ. Just the picture of what's going on here is that later at Christ's resurrection, he would take up his heavenly garments once again. He would take up his heavenly garments once again. And that he would sit, not at a table, but he would sit at the right hand of God the Father until all things are put under subjection to his feet. So this, this little picture of what's going on here is a bigger picture of the grander meta narrative that God is, is playing out in history and how it's all gonna kind of come to a focus on Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, okay? But we also see the importance and the glory of who Jesus is just even further in this one verse. So Jesus then tells his disciples, as he's sitting there, and you can just imagine, they're kind of sitting there with jaws on the floor, What do we do with this? They're processing. And Jesus asks them, he says, now do you know what I've done to you? Now do you know what I've done to you? And then he says, follow my example. Well, the natural question is, what's the example? What's the example that he's asking them to do? Because he specifically says, if if the Lord, you call me teacher and Lord, if I then, the Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Well, is that what Jesus is calling all the disciples to? This is what I want you, your primary purpose on this earth is to go around and wash people's feet. No, that's not what he's saying. And I'm not going to dive into that. There's plenty of, you know, good material on that out there. Um, But it's not, that's clearly not what he's about. Really and truly at the nuts and bolts of it, you have to reorient everything about Jesus' ministry if you try and make that argument. It just doesn't fly within the context of the overall uh, set of Scripture and particularly the Gospels. Okay. But recall Jesus' words to Peter. Remember when when Peter Jesus washes Peter's feet and, and Peter says, you know, don't just don't just wash my don't just wash my feet, Lord, wash me all. Wash the whole thing. You know, Jesus very uh, Peter's very much gung ho. And and P- and Jesus says, make sure I don't I don't get it wrong wrong, he says, He was bathed and he's only washed his feet, but is completely clean. Right? What he's 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 saying you will be clean, but as my disciple, you have need of daily washing there 's a daily washing of the word if we look at the cont- if we look at more how this plays out in the rest of scripture there 's a daily washing of the word that has to occur over you because you 're in the midst of a fallen world right you, 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 there 's still a remnant of sin that has to be dealt with he 's talking more ex- in this as an example again with the disciples he 's not out in the crowds he 's with the disciples and he 's speaking to them, about them. And so this is very instructive for us as followers of Christ. Is what does it look like to follow Jesus? In the process of sanctification, what does that look like? And so he gives an example here where he's speaking, not necessarily of justification here, but he's speaking of sanctification. He's speaking to the disciples, and it's instructive for us. And so what does Jesus give? What is the what is the example? If it's not just go around and wash everybody's feet, or you know we're going to have a foot-washing service every four weeks or something like that, what is it? The model that Jesus, what Jesus gives is he gives a model of the continual servant attitude that he requires of his followers. It's continual because it means that it's part of his character. The emphasis here in the original language is that it is a continual servant's heart. It's not just one that you put on on Sunday or you put on when it's convenient for you. This is an ongoing continual aspect of your Christian new beginning, uh, a new creation that is part of your character and it's a servant it's considering others more important than yourself it's first a life postured that presents yourself as equal in dignity to others but humble in all your relationships not a martyr just you know being a doormat there's an aspect of dignity there that's still ma- maintained and still held on to, but never posturing yourself as if you're a Bible beater and you're better than someone else. And note the force with which Jesus emphasizes this. And you can see this in, in, in verse uh, 13 and 14. He says, you know, you call me teacher and Lord, right? So he, he acknowledges his position, right? he's, a, he's the, the teacher he's the one who's to be believed but he's also the lord he's the one who's to be obeyed and then jesus argues from the lesser the greater okay if this is who i am if i am if i am the teacher with a capital t and i am the lord with a capital l and i'm doing this if i'm the one who is ge- genuinely the greatest among you and i conduct myself in this way then you ought to do the same Now, as I was reading this, I was like, man, this is a a huge lesson, particularly not this is for any disciple, any follower of Christ, but I'm thinking particularly at least right here where it hit me was for anybody who's in leadership, anybody who's in leadership, this is a lesson for us. Because if you're you're in a leadership, whether you're a parent and you have children, whether you're you're in a position in a job where you have people who are under you, who are following you. If you have anybody that you're hoisting the flag and saying, hey, we're going this direction, they're following you somewhere. You're modeling something for them. Now, here's the question. What is it that you are modeling? What are they seeing and then what are they picking up on? It's very telling when you, as a leader, if you're hoisting the flag and you're saying, we're going this way and you're looking and you're looking and you're, you're, you know, you're keeping track. If you just take a brief moment and you look behind you, not see who's following you, but how are they following you? you'll find out real quick where your, where your own strayings are because it'll show up in the wake that's behind you. So what are you modeling for others? Now we could talk a lot about this example because it's very broad in its spectrum. Right, it's very broad in its spectrum. Service to others, having that continual character that, that's the servant's, servant's heart, the servant's attitude, caring for others. But I think one of the, the key areas that I think would be important for us to just zero in on, it's an area that probably we struggle with the most, I think, and, and, and that's dealing with the, with, remnant, uh, with the remnant of sin in others. It's an area, particularly in the Western Christian church, that we just kind of want to sit to the side. You know, We're more comfortable passing out food at a soup kitchen. Right? or in some of these other areas, or maybe even standing up in boldness and proclaiming sins in a, to a, you know, in a lost world. But to sit alongside a brother or sister in Christ, recognize sin in their life, and, and, and help draw it out, that's an area I think that oftentimes we're weak. And that's where Jesus calls us to be a servant, is, is, is in that aspect of dealing with sin. And, and, and you see it here in the foot washing you know don't you because that stooping down aspect you've got to stoop down in order to wash someone's feet right? I mean what, what more humble posture is that that when we come before somebody else and we see and the Lord opens our eyes there's sin in this person's life and, and it's killing them they're, they're faithful brother or sister in Christ maybe they're young in their faith maybe they're old in their faith this is just a blind spot but the Lord's just burdened my heart they they can't continue on like this it's disastrous it's dangerous so posturing ourselves in in that sense of you know uh, in a humble position that doesn't look like to that person you know that we're trying to lord over them we've got to apply the water if you're going to wash feet you got to apply the water carefully applying the word of god with a brother or sister doing it together interceding for the brother or sister in, in prayer. Sometimes we think that, hey, we've brought 25 scriptures to this person, you know, and we're good to go. That's it. You know, what's the next step? Let's pray with them. You know, we talked about these things before we break and go our separate. Let's pray, and then I'm going to pray for you tonight. I'm going to commit to pray to you for you in the morning, and I'm going to follow up with you. How are you doing? How can I pray even further for you? Interceding for brothers and sisters in Christ is, cru- is a crucial part of that applying And washing for remnant of sin. And as we do that, there's a great risk of getting dirty, isn't it? You get down and you're going to scrub somebody's feet. If I'm going to scrub my daughter's feet and scrub the squishy stuff that's off there, there's a great risk. I'm going to get some of that on me. We have to be careful of that as, as as we're doing life alongside other brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we heed the warning there, or the, the exhortation that Paul gives in Galatians chapter 6 where he says, brethren, even if any anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you will not be tempted, so that you will not be tempted. There's a risk of getting dirty, so there's a sense where we've got to be careful how we go about this, that we in turn are not tempted and that we slip into sin. And then lastly, who would wash someone's feet without drying them, right? I wash my kids' feet like, okay, let's dry your feet before you go inside, right? And the drying aspect, we leave that sin behind us, okay? now we may not forget it, okay? But we leave it behind us. It's no longer a burden on us, on them. And sometimes we have to remind one another of that, hey, Christ has paid the penalty for that sin, In that moment, you have repented of it. You have turned from it. It doesn't burden Jesus anymore. Why is it letting you? Why is it burdening you? We have to remind one another. Your feet are dried. Continue your walk, brother. Continue your walk, sister. We have to let those things not burden our relationships. There may be tension there, and it may take time to get over those things. But for a brother and sister in Christ who have been reconciled, and the feet have been dried, we can move on and move forward. So all these aspects are points of dealing with the remnant of sin as we follow Jesus' example. Jesus says, if you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. You're blessed if you do them. See here, just again, the link between faith, believing, and doing, and action. Right? And this blessedness that Jesus talks about, it's the favor of God. The favor of God rests upon those who have such an, ad, an attitude that's conditioned by the gospel. Now, to be sure, it doesn't mean that we're necessarily happy all the time, right? Remember Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives the Beatitudes, and what does he say? Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Those are the meek, those are the, the gentle, right? That, that servant's heart that's been conditioned by the gospel. But he also says, blessed are those who mourn. Now, those aren't two separate people. The, 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 the Beatitudes characterize an individual who's been changed by the gospel, Blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are persecuted, blessed are those who are suffering, right? That the favor of God, when we look at it broad broad spectrum, it generates a different kind of peace and comfort. It says, God is with me. What can man do to me that the Lord has not permitted? For his glory and for my eternal good, maintaining that banner over our lives. So summary, what's the example that Jesus gives? He provides the model of our life and conduct together as believers. Serving one another, looking out for the interests of others, both in provision and in protection. So Jesus provides this example. He says, you do the same as I have. No one think that he's better than someone else. And then in verse fifteen or 18, he sort of looks like he shifts, and he gives a warning. He says, I don't speak of all of you. I don't speak of all of you. That not everyone in the church is going to have this attitude. There's going to be counterfeit followers. There's, there's going to be those who have mixed motives. There's going to be those who, in the words of Hebrews, have tasted and seen that the Lord is, is good They've never actually digested it. And this was true with the disciples of the 12. There was one whose life was not genuinely marked by this posture and practiced it. Now, granted, you look at the disciples. I mean, they were missing the mark all along. But there was a root of sin that remained in one particular Judas that was, I mean, it was damning. not all of you are blessed because not all of you have this heart condition that's been changed by my presence with you now like i said alan's going to get into this more in detail next week because that's where jesus goes but just as a precursor to this jesus quotes from psalm 41 verse 9 and he says he who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me this is a psalm of david where david writes and he's most scholars agree he's probably writing about an event in his life that occurred during the uh, Absalom's rebellion you can read about this in um, 2 Samuel chapter 15 where Absalom um, Absalom Absalom probably mispronouncing that yes thank you but yeah gives you go go read it you know you 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 pronounce it Um, anyways but during that rebellion Absalom Went to one of the counselors of David, a very close confidant of his, who, as it says later in chapter fifteen twenty three, says that his words were as if the words of God were being spoken. His counsel was revered that much, um, and 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 what he spoke was that much. Absalom went to um, uh, Ahithophel, is his name. Went to Ahithophel, and as Ahithophel was giving. The, the sacrifice is in the temple. He's in the presence of God in the temple. Absalom goes to him. Convinces him to be part of his rebellion. And, and the man turns tables on David. And it just crushes David. When he hears about this. He says Lord let, let the counsel of uh, Ahithophel. Be as if it is foolishness. He's crushed by this. And he writes later uh, in Psalm 41 about this. That the man who broke bread with me. Shared a meal with me. I shared his counsel. We were close friends. He's lifted up his heel against me. The picture is almost as if a horse who knows its owner is very close with it. You feed the horse oats and grain and then the horse turns around and kicks you in the teeth. That's the imagery that's given. If that's what David experienced, how much more what Jesus experienced when, when, uh, when Judas betrayed him. That's what Jesus says but christ christ points to this betrayal and and he still lays the responsibility on judas let's keep that compatibility as- aspect in you know in in our hands is that judas was fully responsible for his actions the uh, the the washing of feet and the example that it provides and the teaching that jesus gives judas was present for that Judas was present for that, and it's instructive for us that this is a warning that servant type love, when it is administered and is given and is provided for anyone, its purpose is to drive the rebellious heart to Christ. And we bear full responsibility when we snuff it, we turn away from it. So we're called to always check our hearts, always check our motives. And to permit the Spirit to drive us closer to Christ. If you've been in an instant, in an I have had this happen to me on multiple occasions. I'll be the first to admit it. Somebody just shows a genuine servant's heart in, a, in, in something towards me. And part of my first response is kind of like, Peter, don't do that. You know, no, 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 let me do it. Or pushes back in so, you know, some sense, doesn't want to receive it. And I have to just be humbled and say, I mean, this is grace, this is mercy. It's, oh, it's okay, it's a good thing, and it reminds me of what my responsibility is as a Christian. It's an encouragement. It shouldn't crush me. So always check our hearts and let the Spirit drive us closer to Christ when we receive humble love from others. So there's the warning for us. And then lastly, the assurance. Lastly, the assurance, because Jesus quotes this. He, t- he points to Judas without calling him by name. And he says, I'm telling you this now because when it happens, you'll believe in me. You'll believe in me. The future betrayal of Judas wasn't not to be the frustration of God's plan, but the fulfillment of it. It should remind us this, as Christians, we shouldn't be unsettled by false converts when things pop up in the media, in the news, even in our own church. You know, do we, do we mourn? Yes. Do we struggle with it? Yes. But it shouldn't shake the foundation of the gospel underneath us, as if to say, Christ isn't real. You know, is your faith more in this particular, you know, popular preacher? Is it more in this, you know, discipleship leader in your church, or in this, what you know, whoever? Or is it in Christ Himself and what He's done on the cross? False converts shouldn't surprise us. And so, Je- so Jesus gives assurance here. I'm still on my throne. When this happens and you're dispersed, I'm still going to be on my throne. But then Jesus goes one step further with this assurance and, and he, he links the servant love that he's given with the responsibility that he's getting ready to commission the disciples with in all of us. Because he links his servant love that he's getting ready to do And the favor of God that's upon those who demonstrate that fruit within the sending of the the disciples to the lost. He says in verse 20, and as you're reading through this, this may seem like it's just kind of out of place. Why is this here? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. He's talking to the disciples. Basically, when I send you, whoever receives you receives me. And then he who receives me receives him who sent me, receives the Father. I mean, this is the Great Commission, isn't it? I'm sending you to the lost world. Take my message, the message of the cross. Take it to them. And when they receive the message from you as conduits, they receive me. And when they receive me, they receive God. It's no coincidence that John puts this point in here, remembers this specifically from the conversation and follows it right after the servant's love that Jesus provides. What is He's going to say this later uh, I think even before we get to the end of this chapter, that he says the world will know you because of your what? Not because of your fancy churches, right? Not because of how much money you give. Not because of because of your love for one another. They will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. And so, what do we say about this? What does this do? What's the assurance that that God gives here? That the servant, the job of the disciple. is to take the love of Christ to others, both in word, the gospel, and in deed. That the servant love is the fruit of the gospel that plants the seed in others of knowing God. Let me say that one more time. If you remember nothing else from the sermon, I think probably remember that. That the servant love is the fruit of the gospel that plants the seed in others of knowing God. You see that it conditions the soil of the heart to receive the Father. That's what it does. This is what Jesus says. Don't be rocked by what's about to happen. When Judas betrays me and, and everything just seems to fall apart, don't be rocked. Continue to love others as I have shown you. Remember this. Follow my example because here's what I'm sending you to do. I'm sending you to take my message to the lost world And that you would love others in this way and tell them the message of the gospel. That's it. That's a disciple. That's a Christian in a nutshell, isn't it? That's that's what we gotta do. In a sense, that's all we've got to do. But that is all we have to do. So, summary. Christ calls us to set aside our rights and our privileges for the holy good of others, that God's glory might be manifested. In and through our love for one another. That's what Jesus emphasizes in this in this section. So just three po- three brief points of application. Just kind of bringing this all together. And then I'll pray for us. What the world needs right now is for the church to be the church. It needs to hear the gospel and it needs to see the gospel. You may look out and say, well, what, what can I do? You look out upon, you know, Everything that you read, you know, you're not going to know the truth behind every article that you read, behind every Facebook post that's posted up there. You're going to read a lot of that. I'm going to read a lot of that and go, I just really struggle with it. What do I do with this? I don't think anybody in here, I may be wrong, but I don't think anybody here in here is in the position of writing policies, governmental policies. may not be your responsibility. Your responsibility is to follow the example of Christ as the supreme means of changing hearts. That's your job as a Christian. That's our job as a church is to love one another and then that overflow of that love goes out and spills over into a lost world so that they see Christ and hearts can be conditioned for the gospel to come into the presence of Jesus. Glorify God. So let me pray for us, and then uh, we'll be dismissed. I don't think Alan, we don't have any other announcements or anything. Okay, I'll pray for us, and then we'll be dismissed. Father God, Lord, I thank you, thank you, thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. It's so it's a it's a well that is so palatable that even the the smallest child can dip a cup into it and drink from it. But it is so deep that we will never be able to dive and plumb the depths of it. It never runs dry. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of the gospel. Thank you for those that have um, gathered here and even that are watching online that have said, I want to sit and to worship God and to be encouraged and to be strengthened. I pray that that's happened here today. So Father, may you be exalted in our lives. May you wash us with your word that father we would that we would be faithful unobstructed conduits for your grace and mercy to others that when we have conversations you give us opportunity to serve one another and you condition our heart in in, in like manner that we would do so without bonds without w- without selfish chains when we have done all that we can father may we only say we've just been faithful servants it's not my glory it's not that i can wear the crown and wear the robe but that jesus can be exalted and it's because of him that any any good has been done here today so father may we go out into the world tomorrow following the example of jesus may we may we link love for Christ and the washing of your mercy and grace through the cross. May we link that to love for others and love them in like manner. May we be faithful to bring the gospel into it that others would know your love and your mercy to make it so in us. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for, for coming worshiping this morning. It has been an encouragement to be here. Uh, may the Lord bless you, may he keep you, may he cause his face to, f- to shine upon you, may he lift up his countenance toward you, may he give you peace. You're dismissed.